Welcome to Bridging Chicago, a podcast that aims to connect our listeners to Chicago's business, community, cultural, and charity leaders. Hello, and welcome to this episode of Bridging Chicago. We're so excited that you're here joining us for season six of the podcast. It has been an incredible five years listening to stories from all of our uh business leaders from around Chicago, and we're so excited for another year of that, and we're thankful that we get to continue to do this. Um, today, we have two amazing people from Sheenix, an organization focused on the Latinx community and uh, resourcing them, and so I am really excited to welcome in Olga Camargo and Juan Carlos Avila who are joining us to share about their story and about the story of Sheenix. So thank you both for joining me today. Thank, thank you, you so much for having us. Yeah, these, this podcast for me has been really great because I think that it, there's something in here for everyone. And I love your organization because even though it does have a focus on the Latin community, um, it really shows how if you uplift any community, like the entire population, the entire society really gets uplifted with it and why it's good for us to invest in people. And so I'm really excited for people to hear about that. But since we are bridging Chicago, we always like to hear people's Chicago stories. So Olga, if you can start and share with us your story of Chicago, if you were born here, if you moved here, just how you, what Chicago means to you. Sure, well, I was, um... Uh, actually born in Los Angeles, but I was actually raised in Little Village. Uh, so Chicago okay. is Mexican neighborhood. And I, you know, did all my schooling around uh, the Chicago area. I'm a Chicago public school graduate, UIC graduate. Uh, I got my wow. um, degree in both uh, business and English, uh, master's in English at UIC. So uh, that's my alma mater. And I've had the opportunity to uh, be able to uh, work within the community, um, also professionally as an investment advisor with my colleague here, Juan Carlos Avila. And we have, uh, you know, understanding like what our community needs. Um, having gone through, I want to, I want to, I want to call it what it is. I think I, I've become more comfortable with saying that, understanding what our sufferings have been, uh, mm -hmm. my own personal, my family's personal suffering uh, growing up, uh, just uh, in terms of you know, sometimes everybody's trying to get ahead. Sometimes we, we, we have committed like a lot of the same mistakes that many other families have. And so, um, knowing what those, uh, I, I want to say some, some, some of that lack of, of financial education, bringing yeah. it to the forefront and making sure that people understand you're not alone when this is happening because it happened to us and, uh, we want to be able to give back. And so with Juan Carlos Avila, we have been working to, uh, try to meet those, um, you know, financial, uh, educational needs that our community needs. So happy to be here. Yeah, it's um, it's always humbling to us when people share their story very vulnerably um, and very honestly. And I think that, you know, social media has created a culture where you want to share the good stuff, but not the challenging stuff. Um, and or, or you want to see that maybe. And so um, I'm excited to hear a little bit more about that and about how that sort of taught you uh, or what that taught you and, and how that uh, shaped what you do now. And so we're excited to hear about that. Um, Juan Carlos, why don't you give us your Chicago story and, uh, and what brought you here? 
Sure, absolutely. Thank you. And again, thank you for having us. Um, yeah, it's it's really interesting because I think, you know, listening to Olga's story is like we each and and Nathan listening to a little bit of your story when, you know, earlier when, when we were meeting, it's we all have our own unique immigrant yeah. story. Right. And, mm-hmm. I, and I think um, and it's all brought us to, the, to this place right now. But um, my my family's from Colombia and my dad came here as an engineer and then was in the military here. So I grew up as an army brat living all over the, the states, all over the world. And I ended up in Chicago. I came out to the Midwest to go to college, the University of Wisconsin-Madison. And then my friends were Milwaukee, Minneapolis, Chicago. I gravitated to Chicago. And now I've been here 30 plus years. So I would consider myself definitely a Chicagoan at this point, right? And hopefully yeah. you guys accept me into the fold. But, um, but you know, my girls, I have three daughters who are, are CPS, all, all three of them CPS uh, products and, and um and definitely very involved in the Chicago community, both through uh, the work that Olga and I do around financial literacy and financial education on a day-to-day basis, but also what, the work that we do philanthropically um, in terms of our, our time and resources that we that we give back to the community. So I'm uh, just super excited to be here and, and share a little bit about our journey and the work that we're doing. Yeah, I think if you've survived multiple Chicago winters, then you get to be a Chicagoan. So we'll definitely say that <laughs> you both are Chicagoans. So thank you. Um, let's start here because you mentioned this, Olga, about the sort of failures of family and not in the way of like someone doing something that was wrong, but in the way of if you were looking back, could you have done things differently and would they have come you know, with a different result. And it's like, sure, you could say that about anything. But um, but I, I'm interested to hear what you meant by that, by like what um, what difficulties, what challenges your, families, your family kind of experienced that you think shaped what brought you to, um, to be concerned about financial literacy in especially the Latino community. Sure, so, um, you know, Juan Carlos and I, uh, uh, as investment uh, fiduciaries, we actually have um, been able to also, as, as we uh, impart the financial education to employees at different organizations, when you get, this, you know, we, we help out with retirement planning. I mean, that's, that's, mm. that's one thing. But the truth of the matter is that when you are in those rooms um, answering questions, you get a lot of questions. You get questions beyond the retirement planning, right? Um, yeah, which is yeah. important. But it takes me back to some of the things that I personally, my family personally, like had issues with, right? Um, and I can remember, um, you know, I, I remember when uh, my dad was buying his first home and just didn't have uh, the the guidance that he needed, right? And he could have done probably done things differently that would have that wouldn't have um, I guess um, put him in a in a in a bad like financial struggle uh, because yeah. he could have been had he sought that that guidance he would have been able to purchase that home differently right and so when you have um, salaries that are you know not ideal uh, and in they're very much you know lower salaries lower income. It, it makes a difference how you structure buying a home. Um, and he just, he could have been better off. My mom on the other side too, she could have had um, better opportunities for 
uh, planning for retirement when she had her business, right? And just knowing what you don't know, uh, thinking about um, how uh, she she could have she could have planned out like to have some kind of SEP IRA or whatever. You work mm-hmm. so hard for the money, and then you don't keep it, and then not understanding that monies that go into this these smaller accounts, uh, the very inexpensive accounts, that they are also uh, protecting that money that you have in place in retirement in case your business goes under. So mm. things that we were as a, as, as a, as a family, we could have been better off were we, we weren't doing what we were supposed to. Those are just some examples. We had other things that we could have done better. Um, but I'm just thinking about how you set yourself up for the future, right? Yeah, as a family yeah. and whether or not you are seeking the guidance that you need to be able to do that. Yeah. On Carlos, you want to tack on to that? Yeah, I just it's it's really interesting because I think um, you know when Olga shares that story and and I and I've heard right her share the story before it takes me back to my my childhood as well and and it's sort of and I think it's you know um, and and many of us have probably seen this where you know there we've either seen our our families when we were younger been able to know enough to to know that they're being taken advantage of or not making um, the best decision not because um, th- they didn't have the capability to make, make that decision, but just not having access, right, to, to the resources, not having access to the information, right? And so yeah. both of those being taken advantage of and not, not making right, the best decision have to do with that lack of information, right? That lack yeah. of, of yeah. whether it's a language barrier or a lack of yeah. you know, access to those resources. And that's something that you know, most of our parents coming here you know, from other, you know, countries and, and even being born in this country, right, you're, you, you experience. And so, um, and I know another part of it, which, you know, at growing up, when we talk about family, it's, it's, you know, I know both Olga and I and, and many of the listeners here probably also as, you know, children and, and teens and young adults were relied upon by the family to make, help make financial decisions where mm-hmm. we were in, no position to do so, right? And, yeah, and, yeah. and and kind of acting as an intermediary in financial important, you know, financial decisions. Um, and and there's there's you know maybe there's potential trauma associated from that, but also just sort of um, maybe guilt associated with that. But just you know that's the position that that you know that that many of us have been put put on, right? Yeah, there's so much to unpack just there. Um, but what we've heard before from other people when we talk about minority communities is you, you just don't know what you don't know. And I think that there are people who have access to resources because they know that they're there. They know that they can go to certain people or places or organizations and get certain needs met. Um, we talk a lot about scholarships um, so that people can get educated or, you know, do people actually feel like college is accessible to them? Um, you know, I think that that's always very interesting because sometimes it is like, are the resources available? And sometimes it is the resources are available, but do people actually know that they are there? Mm-hmm. Right. And exactly to your, to your point that you don't know what you don't know, like Olga and I both um, saw this early in our careers where we would, go to do um, financial literacy education meetings at, at clients of ours who were organizations or companies 
that had that were uh, putting together um, retirement plans for their employees, right? That are called either four hundred one ks or four three bs, and and then realizing that there were people there um, who were native Spanish speakers, you know, that worked at the organization who had not participated in their company's retirement mm-hmm. plan where the company was offering a match. So giving yeah. them money into their accounts because, you know, and it had been there 20, 25 years, 30 years because they didn't understand, you know, what was being offered. Right. And so them missing out on all that potential benefit that would, you know, help them in their, you know, to, to have, to, to have a, yeah. um, uh, to be able to retire with dignity. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. Sort of a question yeah. off of that. Um, that I had earlier that you kind of worked us into. Um, Olga, can you share with me, because you talked about retirement planning. Do people in minority communities, is retirement a thing? Do they believe that they can retire? Do they believe that they can work and then have a point to where they can sort of reflect on that and and relax? And and at the end of, you know, when you're 65 or whatever, you know, that they're going to be able to retire? You know, what's interesting is that um, I don't think there's enough conversation around the topic. I don't feel that it is discussed enough in our community. And I think people are just uh, really thinking about, you know, this year, next year. But the truth Mm. of the matter is that those are great, obviously, goals, right? What you're going to do this year, what you're going to do next year. The truth of the matter is you should also be thinking about uh, what's going to happen when you do retire. The checks will stop coming. Yeah. So what's going to happen? How are yeah. you? And and a lot of people, unfortunately, are relying. They're like, well, I don't should worry about it because uh, there's Social Security. Well, number one, if you are entitled to a Social Security benefit, I mean, that's one thing, right? Because you may think you may have one coming, but you don't, right? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> you have to see what that looks like for you. Um, and then if you do get that Social Security benefit, I mean, just as, and it's, it's just an approximation estimation, but whatever you're making right now, think about you're going to be living, they're going to give you approximately like 40% of that. Mm. And that is that enough to keep up with your lifestyle? Is that enough for your bills? Uh, you know, is, is that enough for, bill, for your bills in general? And, and a lot of times people don't realize that. And we also ask them to uh, go on to the, um, to the Social Security Administration um, government, um, you know, website to see if they're even entitled to a Social Security benefit, if and how much uh, they project they would be getting. Um, so it's a real reality check. And do you know when I ask people to do that, some people don't want to. I think they're afraid to look. Yeah. And that's that's not a way to. Um, th- you, you have to be more proactive with your future. And so I would say talking about it more is so necessary in our community. And to Juan's uh, earlier point with that individual that I clearly remember, he was actually a janitor. And um, I remember that I thought to myself, imagine, um, I mean, I'm sure he still had like another 10 years to go or something like that before retirement. But imagine everything he had lost out on that was due to him, but only because he didn't understand. So Luckily, Juan Carlos and I, I mean, our English is really good, like he says, and our Spanish is good too, right? So um, we try to go in and we try to go in through, uh, obviously speaking English, letting people know we speak Spanish, because sometimes I've noticed also like in the past, there was another organization that we were working with and 
I we had just gotten through delivering the information uh, on, on their retirement program um, in English. And then I said, are there any questions? And then they said, nobody nobody raised their hand. Because, of course, there's never a question, even though there should right. be lots of questions at that point, right? Yeah. But yeah. what we did is we broke it up. And then I went to a, to a corner and I said, I'm going to hold something in Spanish over here if you have any questions. Sure enough, all these women, all these women, Latina women, picked up a chair and they went over by me. And they formed a circle and ahí les empecé a hablar español. I started speaking to them in Spanish and answering their questions. Like I said, some had nothing to do with the retirement. Yeah. So we just don't talk about it sometimes enough. And, I, and that and that scene, I was I was there and it, it was very impactful because Olga was holding court. But there's, you know, this, this group of women and it's like we're looking at them, Olga and I, and it's like, it's our, our tias and our, our moms and our, you know, hermanas and they're there and they're, and they're, they want the information. They're, they're writing stuff down, but nobody had ever explained it to them in, in the language. And to, um, back to Olga's point around retirement planning and, and our Latino immigrant community, you know, we're, we have this hardworking immigrant community uh, that's out there and they're really good savers, right? But a lot of times they're coming to this country to say, okay, I'm going to work. My American dream is, is buying a home. And then their plans are, you know, and then when I'm done working, I'm going to go back to Mexico or I'm going to go back to Colombia or wherever it might be. But then what happens is they have a family and they have kids and their kids are here and their kids are staying here and they have kids. And so all of a sudden, you know, they haven't had that, you know, because they haven't had the conversation right around because their plan was I'm going to go back and then I'll be able to, you know, to live comfortably off, you know, what I have there um, without realizing that, you know, they're kind of they're, they're likely going to be staying here longer. So. Um, you know, it's it's having that conversation and opening up that that dialogue. Yeah, and I think that from what I've heard from people in in other cultures, when you reach a certain age, it, it's not like you go, you live in a nursing home, or you have assisted living come in. It's like your family comes around you and takes care of you. Your kids, their kids, um, you know, siblings, whatever it may be, like. You're not living alone at that point. You're you're usually with family, and I think that is it possible we've sort of taken advantage of the fact that certain communities are going to make sure that their people are okay and that their people are cared for well, and so we maybe don't feel like we need to do that as much. Is that possible, or it's, how it's, does that that play into it? Yeah, I would say that that does play into it, but I had you know. A personal experience where my, where my mom was living in Florida and my grandmother um, lived a very very long life, but her last few years had Alzheimer's and was in kind of a home hospice with, with my mom. And just remembering my mom calling me and just being distraught and and crying and saying I'm not doing enough. And 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 I had to remind my mom that okay, you're in Orlando, your sister's in, you have a sister in in Miami, you have a brother in New York another sister in North Carolina, and then siblings back in Colombia. It's not like back when we lived in Bogota where everyone was mm-hmm. on the same block, right? And everyone lived in the same community, right? And that's part of the challenge as well. Is we, we, you know, um, uh, definitely, there, there most definitely is still a lot of community within the Latino community here in the States, right? But it also, as, as we get to the second and third generation, it, it begins to disperse, right? And you lose that that com- that community right and that's that's a real big challenge yeah that's a great point 
Olga, I'd like to get your thoughts on that as well. No, for sure. I think that uh, one of the bi the biggest things that um, also, like, I guess, facing our community um, is, yeah, taking care of others. Um, I'm in the sandwich, sort of like that, what they write about, uh, that, those ind that individual that is taking care of, like, my son who's in college, right? Uh, freshman in college, and then also having to take turn around and lead uh, the care for my parents as well, because um, you know we are, yeah, like Juan said, maybe not under. Well, I'm, I don't live with my parents under the same roof, but I still um, need to make sure go visit them. Um, you know, make sure that where they're retiring that they're okay. Uh, that you know, it's 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 a lot of pressure I think on a lot of us right now to take care of our communities because I still have to take care of myself, right? Um, and take care of like my husband. Uh, I mean, we take care of each other, right? But uh, securing our future as well. So yeah. there's like a lot that has been placed, I think, on key individuals within our community. And I also wanna say, I'm gonna call it out. I think Latinas uh, bear the brunt of it. Um, yeah. I think Latinas are the ones that are primarily looked to for overall well-being of the Latino families, um, mm. especially when it comes down to helping make uh, financial decisions, informed financial decisions, right? And um, without the, any of the financial background, right, that, that you would need to be able to make those decisions. So, um, you know, of course, you know, I think that a lot of people will say like, well, Latinas are just, you know, they're just nurturing. We, we are. I'm not saying we're not. We are nurturing. But at the same time, it's like, you know, we, when you think about that second generation, first generation, even here, like myself, like, and, and second generation, like my son and other generations that come, they're getting more acculturated to the American sort of like yeah. way of being, which is, I want us, I want to, I want to not just like graduate from college. I also want to be able to, you know, get a good job and uh, progress, advance in my job. Right. So yeah. there's also that other thing that they have to deal with themselves personally. Yeah, and some of that, and some of all that that got exacerbated during COVID, and especially mm -hmm. hit hardest. Right, you know, COVID hit everybody, but it hit certain communities harder. Right, Pe people of color, um, LGBTQ uh, plus, you know, children, young adults, but women, right, as well. And and for Latinas, to Olga, to Olga's point is, um, you know, they've been juggling prior, right, that juggling in terms of you know their children their parents, um, but then also their in-laws. And Olga and I were just having a conversation about, you know, just over the holidays, right? And, and you know, they, they went in to, to check in on, on the in-laws and make sure everybody was was okay there because people, you know, were in other parts, you know, of the country, right? Or, or out of the country, right? So um, it's not only juggling your family for Latinas, their children, their 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 parents, but also their, their spouse's parents quite often. Yeah. Yeah, and, and I think that there is sort of this, we, we take advantage of what stability provides in our lives and, and the sort of security that comes around stability in that when you don't have to worry about certain things, um, you know, when you're not living in a food desert, and by that I mean you have access to healthy choices when you're going to purchase foods, when you're not worried about um, safety and when you're not worried about like can I go to the police and, and ask them for help and they're going to believe me and trust me and help me 
when, when you just have a lot of stability around you, um, I think that we sort of don't always understand what that provides for families and for people when they can just worry about, okay, you know, how am I going to thrive? How do I, what do I want to do so that my, the life of my child is better than mine? Because I think that's what every parent wants, no matter what life is like for them. They want better for their children. Um, but, but when there's certain things that you don't have to worry about, I think then you can start to think about, okay, well, what is life going to look like when I'm retired? What is life, you know, how are my kids going to go to college? When you're, when you're not worried about how, how are my kids going to get to school because it's not safe enough for them to go to school, but you're saying, okay, you know, my kids are going to go get straight A's. How do I get them into the best college we can get them into? Yeah, to, I mean, to your point, right, there's, there's the regular stresses of that you could look at this topic, you know, just from, from a, that 35,000 foot level and say, okay, you've got to save for retirement and this is how much income you're going to need and everything else. But then there are those other pressures and stresses that come in that, that are part of daily life, which is safety, housing, you know, the, the hunger, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, that, it, that, that, you know, loneliness, everything else that impact the, our entire community. Right. So how, um, so n not having that, the right information or literacy, like puts people you know, behind the eight ball where they're, you know, they they're trying to manage through all these other stresses to begin with, just to get that stability that you're talking about, to be able to make those other good decisions. Right. But it's yeah. sort of like, if you're not even getting that info, then you don't even have that option to make those decisions, despite all these other things that you're trying to navigate and manage through. Yeah. Yeah. I have to say that, uh, you know, and, and, and I'm in the financial industry and so is Juan Carlos. And it's amazing how much we learn about what's out there um, like every single week where we're like, uh, you know, trying to stay abreast of what's happening. Um, and the truth of the matter is you have to go seek out the information, but you need to know where to go seek it out. And even for us, uh, we try to learn about things, uh, sometimes outside of our wheelhouse, because some people may ask for things that, um, I would not know about. Um, but I do have other people that I can knock on the doors so that they can help mm. out those individuals. So mm -hmm. seeking out other uh, resources for those individuals that are asking for que about questions regarding, hey, I need to send, you know, sign up for Medicare. And I don't even know like what program to go sign up for. So I know who to go to for those things because I, you know, and, and again, and I'm in the industry. So imagine everyday people yeah. that are going about like their own business, yeah. uh, going to work, doing what they need to do. And then they don't even think about this. Imagine how, how much we're learning. Imagine how much they can learn about things that can make their life better. And yeah. that's what yeah. Sheenix is about. It's about helping people, especially Latinas, but anybody can use it to make their life better. And you have a really interesting perspective because being female, I think, it is very in this industry, in the finance industry, full of finance bros, as we know them, I think is very, uh, it provides a perspective that um, that has to be very interesting. And I want to get to that. Juan Carlos, I want to make sure if you want to piggyback onto that before we move on. Yeah, just to, to Olga's point, like we were, Olga and I were having a conversation prior to this, 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 this call that, um, so Congress just passed this SECURE Act 2.0, the president is waiting to sign and it's there's it's this huge impacts and benefits that are coming 
to retirement plans such as mm. um, you know automatic three percent enrollment and auto escalation in terms of the savings every year and re required um, savings and changes and and to Olga's point, like we're learning about because that's happening right now. The president's still waiting to sign it to, for it to go, get to law to impact next year. But the average individual, right, isn't hearing about that. So then, how do we yeah. then then our responsibility, Olga's and, and mine, and through Shenix and, and the work that we do, is to go out there and to be able to share that information with them. Juan Carlos, Olga, I want to thank you so much for joining us. We we have so much here, and there's still so much more to share and we don't want to lose any of that. So what we're going to do is we're going to create this into a two part episode. So this will end part one and we want to make sure that you come back next week to catch part two with Olga and Juan Carlos. And we will continue to talk about financial literacy, especially in the Latinx community and um, sort of what that looks like. Um, and we'll focus on their work with Sheenix. So be sure to come back and listen to part two next week. Thanks for listening to this episode of Bridging Chicago, as produced by the SATC Solutions Center. Nothing contained in this podcast shall constitute financial, investment, legal, and or professional advice. No professional relationship of any kind is created between you and the podcast host or guest. You are urged to speak with your financial, investment, or legal advisors before making any investment or legal decisions. Furthermore, the opinions expressed in this podcast are not necessarily the opinions of SATC Solutions Center, SATC Law, or any of its employees. This podcast is created by the hosts and guests' individual capacities. All opinions on this podcast are or have been rendered based on specific facts under certain conditions and are subject to certain assumptions and may not and should not be used or relied upon for any other purpose, including, but not limited to, or use in or in connection with any investment purposes or legal proceeding. 